Welcome back, guys, for another All in Crypto podcast. Today, we have a very special guest coming on the show. We've got Mickey, the CEO of World Mobile, who some of you may have noticed on the front of Fulham Football Club's shirt, here today to talk to us about exactly that, World Mobile, and everything going on. So welcome on board, Mickey. It's a pleasure to have you. It's great to be on All in Crypto for the first time. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's a real pleasure. You know, I think we move in perhaps similar-ish circles um and you know i've been hearing non-stop about world mobile and all the great things that you guys are doing so i really couldn't wait to get you onto the show uh to sort of uh, go into it a little bit more and with all my guests i really like to start with them you know uh, a little bit about who you are how perhaps you stumbled upon this amazing world of of crypto and blockchain and and, and everything that it encapsulates and um, so if we could start there that would be amazing Mickey Watkins, um, CEO and founder uh, of World Mobile, been in the telecommunications industry for, for over 20 years and trying to change the way that people digest communications. Uh, 2014, 2015 was probably my first exposure to, to cryptocurrencies and looking at what Bitcoin was doing and then following up and seeing you know, the, the, the coins that were forked from there. And I took an interest and I thought, you know, this is pretty cool stuff, but it wasn't mature. Um, and it was certainly wasn't able to be implemented into telecommunications. But in around 2018, 2017, I was thinking, I had a moment where I'd exited a company uh, and I was sitting down, uh, living in Amsterdam at the time, and I was thinking about privacy. And I was thinking, you know, telecommunications, not yet, but soon, those companies, those those entities will know more about us than we know about ourselves. You know, how can I how can I be supportive of starting a new system that will be adopted by a lot of people? So I started to build a privacy-based system uh, for telecommunications, not to keep yourself concealed from uh, the regulator or from uh, other entities such as such as those, because they have a right to regulate you, right? They they need to catch the criminals, they they need to see the the bad people out there. But um, more of a way, our data should be our data. So I spent about six or seven months developing a pretty cool platform uh, that would enable people to be able to have at least a copy of their own data. So then if there was more than one copy and more than one entity held that, it becomes much less value. And then you have a choice what to do with that data. So as I said, I started to play around, but then I woke up one morning and thought, who cares about this? No, no one really cares. Like in the quest for connectivity, we've given up all of our our human rights so how can i go to somewhere to a first set of people that actually will care and will start their first journey online using communications using telecom um and be be strong from from the get-go uh, so i started to look up where you know where are the places in the world that are at least connected and i saw facebook i saw google i saw microsoft i saw lots of other big companies were also trying to connect the unconnected uh looked at where the least unconnected place on the planet was couldn't believe that around 3 billion people, 3.7 billion people, I think at the time, were totally unconnected. So picked up the phone, called up some friends, uh, called up some contacts, called up the ITU, the GSMA, all the different entities that were were around or still around at the, at the time. And I said, um, is this true? Are there 3.7 billion people unconnected? And they said, you know, it's probably more. Uh, this is what is reported by the telecom operators. And I could see the digital divide. I could actually see it, visualize it. So... I decided the first place we're going to start, we're going to, we're going to give birth to this mobile network in Africa, where place where is the least unconnected, uh, 19 years old is the average age of, of an African. They've skipped the generation of having uh, laptops, 
um, at their house and fiber connection or ADSL, DSL connections at their house. These, these people are perfectly ripe to, to adopt um, this platform. They, they know how to use a telephone. They know how to trans transact mobile money. And that was it. So in 2019, uh, we did some demonstrations. Um, COVID hit. One of the demonstrations that we did a proof of concept before we really, really hit it off with uh, World Mobile was to go and install uh, a couple of air nodes. Air nodes are big towers, um, five meters, four meters, a solar panel array either on the top or plugged in on someone's roof. Uh, underneath that was a, a Wi-Fi unit. Underneath that was something to receive the backhaul because in rural areas, there is no fiber at the last mile in most cases. Uh, and then underneath that second life batteries and a way to charge multiple devices. So we placed these down uh, in a fishing village, a remote fishing village in uh, Zanzibar. And uh, we, we wanted to come back. We wanted to film uh, what, what had happened, the effect of internet and COVID hit. So we couldn't go back. We couldn't send the whole world got locked down. Uh, and eventually when we could, the internet had been live for around nine, nine or 10 months in this, in this village. So we got back, we sent the film crew. And the film crew called me from the from the location and said, look, we are connected to an air node, um, but this is not the same village. I said, what do you mean it's not the same village? If you're connected to our air nodes, do you see them? He said, well, only one's working. The other one's been broken. I said, okay, why do you say it's not the same, you know, the, the village? And they said, well, because when we arrived here, there was 120, 130, 140 people. Now it's doubled. There's 300 people here. And I said, well, what about the shop? Go speak to the shop owner. I said, which shop? There was one when we arrived. There's now three. Um, there was two. There was one pub. There's now two. So the transformation of the internet and giving power into this village um, was phenomenal. And the, the 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 actual people themselves, the fishermen, you know, the economy boomed because they were able to, for the first time, be able to in real time send a message using just WhatsApp to a trader to say to the trader, hey, it's worth you coming today because I've caught this much fish, I have this much weight. Beyond that, they were very clever. They managed to take the power from one of the air nodes and then run a fridge or run a cooler from there. And then they were able to store the fish inside the cooler until the trader came and get themselves into a position where they were um, able to earn more than 10, 10 times compared to when they had to smoke the fish when they didn't know a trader was coming or not. So it was, a, it was a, a phenomenal discovery for us and something that I thought was going to happen. And that was the moment we, we, we pressed the button and we said, okay, this is it. We're actually going to go and we feel that we can change, change the world and bridge the digital divide, but we're going to do it at scale now. You know, this is why I was so interested to have you on because what World Mobile is doing, so many, and crypto is such a blanket terms, cryptos out there that are, copies of something somebody else has done or they're kind of repeats whereas world mobile is a truly unique truly special potentially and we're already seeing it world changing project um that is still in in my opinion and maybe i'm wrong on this in, in an early stage in regards to where it's going uh i am nothing short of excited to kind of see the progression of world mobile i can't help but think um there's a few really interesting, there's so many interesting things you mentioned there. One of them was the fact that 3 billion people aren't online. I mean, there's a benefit, not just to those 3 billion people, but the world as a whole in getting those 3 billion people or more um, actually connected and and, and kind of um, a, a global uh, recognition of that. And I can't help but think of Steve Jobs. Uh, he, he did this, I don't, I'm not sure if you've uh, heard of his, his famous speech where he speaks about the efficiency of 
um, species on the planet. So you've got humans against birds, against all kinds of things. And, and, and they were measured on the energy that they used to get from one point to another. And this is, I think this is so applicable to world mobile. Humans actually ranked really low down in regards to efficiency of making that journey on the list of species. And I think a bird, the condor might've been at the top. And actually they then decided to test how efficient a human would be on a bicycle. And all of a sudden it jumped right up. And the, the, the point that I think Steve was Steve Jobs was getting at was the reason that human beings are at the top and, and, and the apex is because of technology and actually talking about that village that was no longer recognizable from when you first visited it. You know, you guys are literally adding that bicycle to the human being to help him get from point one to point from point A to point B. And it, it's truly amazing. Adding adding Internet to somebody. First of all, you said, you know, the global I thought you were going to say the global village and people refer to the internet as the global village, right? Yep. It's not a global village. It's half a global village. And when you talk about the unconnected, actually we're missing out about the underserved and you're underserved in areas that you live in and other people are underserved. So this is like a huge problem around the world. Of course, the major problem is the fact that one half of the world can't speak to the other half of the world. And that just simply isn't, isn't correct. And we shouldn't be sat here if we can do something about that because it's not, it's not right. Everybody should have the right to internet. But then you talk about efficiency with internet, it gives people the opportunity to, to take opportunity into their own hands. And that's that's something that we've got right now. We're having this interview, right? That's something that every crypto user needs the internet to be able to purchase, to, 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 to take crypto to, into their wallet, to do whatever they, they need to do. It's, um, it's absolutely a human right. And it's a necessity for today. And yeah, with internet, um, you can become more lazy. You can choose to just enjoy videos on on social media or whatever. But you can also change your life and change the life of others. And I mean, I'm very thankful for 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 the fact that I've got the internet. And I think that one thing the World Mobile stands for is to make sure that everybody else everywhere is connected. Yeah, fascinating. You know, like I say, this is why I was so excited to get you on the show um, because it 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 really is um, such a big deal what you guys are trying to do, and I, it can't be understated. I certainly can't understate it enough. Um, could we maybe move on to sort of world mobile as a whole? So if, if you were to sort of sum up what world mobile are doing, we've got into to, to some of the features, but if, if, for somebody that's new to world mobile, that might be um, sort of hearing about it for the first time today, could we maybe give an overview of what world mobile is? Sure. It's so I break it up into two things. One, it's a economic model, a new economic model to incentivize people to put infrastructure where there currently isn't any. What does that mean? You put down a node, uh, we tell you where that node should go roughly, uh, and then you start to make money for it. The concept will be a sharing economy, the same as Uber or Airbnb uh, showed that they can thrive as sharing economies. The biggest industry in the world is telecommunications, $3.5 trillion today, and it's only going up year on year. Capacity is needed more, 40% year on year. So it's a, it's a huge, huge, huge revenue. And half the world is unconnected. Legacy operators, legacy business models, and legacy infrastructure has left half the world unconnected. So we're a new economic model that can incentivize this growth. But more than that, I think it's a movement. I think it's a movement of people. I think it's a movement showing that people can run a network, can break an oligopoly, and can actually do as good as job to support, supplement, or even replace what there is today. Very true to the kind of spirit of crypto, I think. Um, you know, trying to disrupt um what's already there and and 
you speak about nodes. Could we maybe explore a little bit about these nodes? So how, how does World Mobile actually bring connectivity? You know, how does this kind of system work in a little bit more detail? So you need to separate that into kind of three things, but primarily two. So you've got air nodes. You can see there's a balloon here. Um, they kill me for saying it's a balloon. It's an aerostat. Uh, it's tied to the ground. This is a type of node. On the bottom is our payload. But actually, a node is a radio and an antenna. Uh, a radio and antenna that then broadcasts a, a spectrum. Uh, it can be unlicensed. It can be licensed. It could be Wi-Fi. It could be um, 700 megahertz. could be anywhere in between. And then people are able to connect directly to that. That element doesn't have any crypto layer at all. It does, but not a crypto layer that, um, that uh, you could trade, for example. It has blockchain uh, for proof of service. So it's very important that if you buy a piece of infrastructure, you know who's used your infrastructure, you know that you deserve getting paid for that infrastructure, or we know that um, you're, you're gaming that infrastructure. So we've decided that we, unlike most of the other DYs um, in the space, that we wouldn't involve crypto as a reward for, for this layer. One, because regulation around the world is so uncertain. Two, we don't want to add the layer of complexity. People, people need to put up this infrastructure in order to make these connections possible. So it should be able to be um, you, me, a mum, a grandma, uh, anyone without any real knowledge that can stick on the side of their wall, on the top of their roof, um, in a hotel, or up one of these in a field, uh, and, and they're able to then provide that connection. Then as the connection comes through, people pay to connect to this infrastructure. So when that payment is made, that payment then comes into this ecosystem. The ecosystem itself is run by something called Earth nodes. Earth nodes are essentially a mobile core and much, much more. We have a thousand of those on the network right now. Um, we're just going into uh, the next stage of, of uh, what we call mainnet light, and they'll be processing. We have our centralized Earth nodes right now that are processing all the data that that we have running but these earth nodes they do diameter routing they do storage as a service they do compute they do many of the things that you need to do to run a telecom company and many of the value-added services that you need to offer as a telecom company for your consumers so th then there's the third which is an ether node a ether node is something that uh, is regulated fully uh, the entity that runs it needs to be completely licensed uh, kyc's and that is the legacy infrastructure the legacy mobile world's way of speaking to the world mobile network and the same way when world mobile needs to speak to legacy infrastructure and legacy the telcos um that's the connecting bridge each country has one ether node at least um not usually needed more unless it's a huge huge population so that's the basis of, of the node systems that work and of course anyone can find out more online yeah, we're going to leave links to where people can find all this sort of information out if they are interested. I know you can actually buy an Earth node, um, which is extremely interesting, something I've been looking into my uh, myself. But they're the kind of three main components to World Mobile uh, and actually how you guys are looking to deliver uh, connectivity to everyone. What What's the kind of blockchain element here? Maybe we could explore that. How does World Mobile actually utilize the blockchain, you know, maybe Cardano. I know you guys are looking to go interoperable. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, but how do you actually utilize blockchain here? Okay, so removing a lot of the bureaucracy layers, it makes sense to use smart contracts for cross-border settlements, for billing, for roaming, for other things. By this way, you can make yourself far more efficient. Instead of needing 100 members of staff to run your, your billing department, you may only need two or three. Uh, and then you can run everything via, via smart contracts. So this is kind of our first foray into 
into into the space to try and make telecoms more efficient. But then, as I mentioned earlier, privacy is a really big thing. So as a mobile network operator, I'm not saying that they do, but you can go online and see, you know, discover what you want to discover. Um, mobile network operators, they have an open channel. Uh, they have an open channel because the regulator says, uh, look, I need to be able to see when you make a cellular call um, if this person is a bad person or if this person is a bad actor. And that's totally acceptable and it's actually a correct way because governments look after people and uh, people need to be to be uh, looked after. And when they do something wrong, um, yeah, they, they, they terrorists as an example, right? They need to be caught. And having a complete privacy layer is just impossible. So what do we do? We make sure that as a mobile network operator, we can provably show that we don't actually take your data. Your data should be yours. You're paying for that data. There's no reason for a mobile network operator um, to be able to see when you wake up, when you sleep, where you go, where you bank, who your friends, 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 friends are. They potentially could know more about us than we know about ourselves because they're keeping a log of that. Um, I'm not saying, again, that they do. I know many mobile network operators that, that play a very fair game, but there have been breaches and there are breaches. So being able to use the blockchain, uh, one, to be transparent, two, to be secure, is really important. And then, of course, there's the monetization. If you've got a ton of revenue running through your system and you've got a completely distributed, decentralized network of people running air nodes, and again, I touched on that earlier on, the proof of, proof of service, um, people need to know that they're getting paid the right thing. Uh, we need to know that the system, when it pays out, is paying the right people. So beyond that, there's many other many other reasons and many other cool things that we can do. But the, that's the core. Yeah, really interesting. Um, you know, it, it's nice to see. I think quite a few projects out there kind of blockchain and tokens are kind of almost a gimmick and a, a, and a selling point for them alone, whereas actually you can really see the utility in regards to World Mobile um and how they're using blockchain the world mobile token and sort of everything that's involved in it and, and, and the kind of fundamental role that actually it plays um i think in you know it's yeah. just to add to that it's it's so carefully thought out you know when when people connect to the internet we don't want them to have to connect to the internet in a very difficult way we want it to be a seamless experience but we also want when they download our application the world mobile global app which we'll, we'll speak about later um, that they are using the blockchain, that they are using it to to have self self sovereign identity, that they are using it to govern themselves, right? In 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 the ways that we can allow someone to do that. Um, it's very important to make sure that you don't put that barrier in the way. Uh, for many 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 years, I've heard banking the unbanked. You can't bank the unbanked until you really connect the unconnected. Uh, for many many years, I've heard mass adoption. Um, you can't create mass adoption so quickly or even ever. Uh, by putting all these barriers in the way. So we kind of segmented it into the core is run by people who understand blockchain, who understand crypto, who understand the ethos behind it. The front layer, the air nodes, where the, where the revenue flies in, um, you don't need to understand anything at all. And we, we're, not, we're, we're not dreaming, we're fulfilling the dream of the entire space. And when you talk about interoperability later, um, that's a massive aspect to all of this. Yeah, again, it can't be understated what you guys are doing. Um, you know, uh, in order to bank the unbanked, there has to be a way for them to do that. You guys are providing that way, the means for that to actually take place. Um, and it, 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 again, it's really a mammoth task that you are uh, sort of it undertaking. Is. Um, it is, but it's however, not just me. It's yeah. the sharing economy. That's the beauty of a sharing economy. And that's what we've been working on for the last two, three, three years. And I've been dreaming about and, and actually building now. Um, it's not me that there's doing this. Eventually, 
uh, Mickey Watkins, the, the World Mobile team, should be able to step aside and the network will be able to grow to serve billions of users around the world just because of the initially the incentives. Incentives are really important, right? You're If you have something, you're making money for something, um, you'll value it much more than, than if you're not. That's the general, the nature of, of, of human beings. If you have a car um, and you have a porch, um, unless you're a saint and a really good person, you'll clean your car and clean the porch, but next door you won't because you value what, what, what's yours and you value what's what's returning uh, from, from the things you own. So by tapping into this trillion dollar industry and being able to create these huge incentive rewards for people to be able to actually earn money from running the infrastructure, that's the, that's the goal here, right? You get that right and you fix it all. Yeah, absolutely. I think incentives are super important. Some people sometimes maybe um, say, okay, well, why do you need to incentivize something? But like the example that you gave with washing somebody else's car, some people may do that, but the majority probably um, aren't going to. Altruism is a beautiful thing. Philanthropy is a beautiful thing. Charities can be beautiful things, but they're not sustainable. It's not sustainable. When someone's run out, how do they help you anymore? Yeah, uh, I can go and wash someone's car all day of the every, every day. Um, the whole driveway, the, you know, is, is next to me. Uh, every every single house. But then I need to get a job, and I'm not, not getting paid for that. How am I going to feed my family? Okay, so I have whatever hundreds of thousands or millions or whatever in the bank. Eventually, I won't. So eventually, that will stop. And this is something that if you combine, it's like the the perfect Hogarth circle. Uh, you combine uh, doing good. Uh, which is a really important part, but making money whilst doing good, and then everybody in the process making money whilst doing good, you can keep it going and it can go almost indefinitely. I think that's the best kind of way to make money by helping other people. Sure. I would say anyway. So we've kind of covered what World Mobile is, some of the different parts to it. um, And and there's lots more we can get into. Before we get into some sort of recent announcements, and there's been some absolutely huge ones, certainly coming out of the uh, USA in regards to your uh, license that you were recently granted. um, Could we maybe talk about a little bit about where World Mobile is currently? So in regards to where you've rolled out currently uh, and how that's going. Zanzibar has been our testing grounds. We're very grateful to the Zanzibaris. Uh, we have a great relationship over there. It's the place that we wanted to launch our first aerostat, and we're still that's still pending, but we have fine-tuned our sharing economy. So we have around 400 nodes on the grounds. They're working live in the sharing economy. They're generating local people revenue, uh, and people, tourists, uh, locals, domestics, uh, are connecting to our network and, um, and, and using it. And, and it's the first place we rolled out the application as well. So it's been kind of a showroom, uh, but it's much deeper than that for us. It's uh, our appreciation for Zanzibar is absolutely huge. Uh, we're currently in Tanzania, Kenya, uh, Mozambique, uh, Nigeria, uh, and recently we, we've also moved into Pakistan. And there's about five or six other countries that we're, we're there. We're, we're truly multinational. But what we know is that we have to get the sharing economy working right in all of these countries. And the birth of that was, was in Zanzibar. Now we've taken the same cookie-cutter cookie approach to, to Pakistan. We've handed over the sharing economy, uh, sent it on an aeroplane, essentially, uh, and let go of the baby's hands and given it to our partners out there. And, and Pakistan is, is beginning to thrive. We, we're seeing air nodes go up. We're seeing customers join the network and pay and, and love the service. And it's exactly the, what, we, what we imagined would happen has happened. It was a very scary moment to, to let go, but uh, we, we needed to let go because in Listen, half the world's unconnected. Uh, mobile network operators, Google, Facebook, they have almost unlimited money. 
they haven't been able to fix this problem alone. So you've got to create this platform, this economic model where people can take it into their own hands and roll out the network. And, and that's what happens. And then you talked about USA. USA, very interesting. Most people might not know this, but 30% of the landmass of USA is totally unconnected. 10% of the population is unconnected. Uh, we'd go as far as to say around 25% of the population is underserved. What does underserved means? It means that, okay, you've got one bar, two bars uh, in your house at some point, um, or you drive from your house to, uh, from A to B, and then you have no connection for, for 30 or 40 or 50 or even one or two miles because that area is not covered. That's an underserved area, and it's it's not acceptable. You're on a call. You're trying to do the things that you do. You're on a Teams or a Zoom. Uh, and you get you get disconnected. So this is what we call the Swiss cheese, holes, holes in connectivity. So it was always our intention to, to move into the USA, but our intention was, first of all, to, to give birth to this in Africa and in the continent and to go to where the people needed it the most. But as time has, has, has transpired, and um, we, we've seen that this is absolutely necessary, not just in USA. It's necessary in central London. It's necessary in Edinburgh, where, where you are. It's necessary. Recently, uh, um, I visited Croatia. Um, you know, you're in the capital. You've got 5G, all perfect. Uh, and then you move outside of the capital uh, for a, a few moments, and you're down to 3G. 3G is a useless, a useless connectivity. It's old. It's ancient. It doesn't, it doesn't allow you to do anything except from really kind of browse the internet. You can't have this call. You can't watch an HD video. You can't send videos very fast or, 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 or transfer data particularly fast. So these things... Um, and not just a problem for the continent of Africa. And USA represents a massive opportunity for us, like a, a, a massive one. Um, you, you know from the news that we've also gained spectrum, license spectrum in the USA. Yeah, uh, yeah. This, this was a really hard job to do because license spectrum is worth billions and billions of dollars. I absolutely want to get into that, uh, Mickey. I, I, and one question I was going to sort of ask, and I'm really glad you mentioned up a mention about sort of a lot of the Western world, the, the United States, for example, where you can actually apply World Mobile to. So I have family in Wales. I have family in the highlands of Scotland. And you I know. can, I, I, this is what I was going to say. Actually, um, when when I go and visit them, I don't even have a bar, let alone one or two or 3G. Uh, and the yeah. same in, in, in many parts in the sort of um, Hebrides of Scotland. It, it, it's quite similar. It's getting better. Uh, but this is actually, can you see, and we've, we'll move on to... Um, the license spectrum in the United States, which was huge news, and we'll talk about the colossalness of that. Can you see World Mobile really moving into places like Wales, like the Highlands of Scotland? Absolutely. Well, as soon as you tell me, I visualise the entire network plan. You know, how are we going to do that? How are we going to put a node up on top of the roof of your of your family's house? How are we going to get the backhaul there? You know, are we going to pick up to the fibre at the last point the fibre goes? And are we going to send that via a microwave? Or are we going to use free space optics? Is the weather good enough to use free space optics? You know, are we going to... Big question there. <laughs> right. So, so you... But yeah, it's absolutely feasible. And then if, you're, if your parents or your family who live there and have their house and there's more houses around there, you know, how, what, what air node do we need to be able to reach them? A Wi-Fi node is probably not going to be sustainable. So then we have licenses and we've used 4G uh, spectrum inside the the, the UK, um, actually in Wales at a, at a campsite, um, wow. no connectivity, you know, and then how far do we need to go? Do we need to stretch out to five, six, seven miles? You know, what sort of power do we need to give to the antenna? It's we're making models that are going to be fit for purpose for for each of these scenarios, and I think that yeah, eventually you'll see um, people wanting to fix their own problem 
uh, primarily, which is there in 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 the in, in Scotland or Wales. But ultimately, realizing that they, whilst they fix their own problem, they can get paid for fixing somebody else's problem. Yep. So it's kind of a, a win-win situation. But yeah, I, I lived in the southwest of England for for many years. Um, we were very late to get any type of internet. We had internet running through the line at twenty-eight kilobytes a second, whilst we had other people um, five kilometers, six kilometers down the road who were getting ADSL, you know, two hundred and fifty-six kilobytes. A, a second i was amazed by it. you know they were able to download over limewire something that would take me uh three days four days they were able to download it in three hours four hours so yeah uh definitely Huge. It's, it's, yep. it, it, the clue is in the name right we thought about it very hard when we when we came up with it but uh world mobile it's we expect to be in every country in, in every continent and to be connecting again billions of people over the the coming years phenomenal yeah no it really is very interesting uh you know i i love projects that are doing something different and, and, and world mobile is not only doing something different they're doing something colossal uh, and i want to move on to some colossal news that was uh really recent and that is with the uh license spectrum that was secured in the united states can we talk about that first of all what does that mean what is that uh, and and what does that mean for world mobile it means that we can broadcast over huge distances directly to people's handsets. So in the United States, you've got a very good initiative that happened. Um, 156 megahertz, which is quite a thick band, uh, was made free uh, for use under something called the CBRS uh, protocol. CBRS protocol is really awesome. Uh, it goes a little bit further than Wi-Fi, but it has all of the properties of cellular. So if you notice, if you've got a mesh network at your house, you've got a few nodes uh, that you buy from D-Link or Asus, uh, whoever it may be. When you go from one room to the other for 10, 20, 15 seconds, you'll you'll lose connection, right? Um, and then you'll reconnect to your internet and then it'll all be fine again. Well, that's not okay when you're having a telephone call and that's not okay when a car's passing past you at 60 miles per hour or, or, or whatever it may be. So unlicensed spectrum is something that we've leaned heavily on um, because of the costs and because it actually makes sense to... to not pass those costs down to the end user because ultimately anybody that's got license spectrum is having to pass that cost down to the end user and recoup their money money that way and in the african model that kind of doesn't work but in the usa model having a hybrid of both licensed and unlicensed spectrum allows lots of possibilities so the aerostat here for example um let's talk about utah where we have it we have in nevada we have in utah we have in new mexico we have in california and we're also looking um, at 30 other, other states at the moment. But those four markets are the ones that we've secured right now. So you're able to put up one of these aerostats or find a mountain or find a very, very tall building. And with our proprietary radio, as well as off-the-shelf radios, you're able to beam huge distances of coverage direct to people's handsets. So this, this aerostat over here, um, it floats at 300 meters. At 300 meters, we get around 70 kilometers squared radius of coverage so if we put this up in la for example we'd be able to see lots of people maybe two million three million people but due to the limitations of the weight that can be carried uh, versus the cost of what you need to carry tons you can't connect all those people directly to your to your your um your, your aerostat uh, so what we do is we see those people and then we see hey there's a university down here or there's a cluster of people over here uh, we want to get those onto cbrs so we get go down there, we put up something called Operation Air Node, which tells our community uh, and the people interested in running nodes, hey, you should put an air node in this proximity. This air node costs $1,500 or up to $50,000. It will cover this many people and connect this many people. 
And then we have the balance of being able to have ubiquitous coverage. So when you leave, there's no Swiss cheese. And then on the grounds, the smaller nodes taking the capacity when people are watching Netflix or people are doing high, high data uh, consumption. You know, every year in the USA, uh, and I don't know if this is global, but I, I, I think it is, 40% increase on the capacity needed. So where you would be using 10 gigabytes this year, next year you'll be using 14. Wow. And then 40%, 40%, 40%. So while mobile isn't just providing a solution directly to the people, and it's not competing with the mobile network operators, it might be that we end up with more customers on our network than any other mobile network operator on the planet. But actually it's complementing them. That it's not just the people that need the help, it's the mobile network operators that need the help as well. So having licensed spectrum allows us to enter into that market in a way that um, other DYs or other um, smaller private 5G, 4G networks just can't make that kind of penetration or, or get the numbers onto their, onto their network. And we have the subscribers who join World Mobile, who download the World Mobile application, who pay World Mobile directly in order for their, for their connection, uh, whether that's prepay or postpay. But we also have wholesale subscribers coming in from other mobile network operators to say, do you know what? It's too expensive for us to go and roll out in this area, but you've got nodes? Yeah, we've got nodes. Okay, you're going to charge us $3 a gigabyte? Yeah, we're going to charge you $3 a gigabyte. Um, and if we come with a lot of capacity uh, and people on the network are going to reduce that cost, yeah, we're going to reduce that cost down to $2.50 a gigabyte to you guys. All of a sudden, you've got the B2C customers that World Mobile has subscribed to it, but then you've got all of these other mobile network operators from the USA and internationally that travel in who are then paying these air nodes and generating revenue into the network to make that very important incentive model work. Absolutely huge. And I just want to sort of clarify this. I mean, that, that, that's such a monumental um, thing to have secured for, for, for everyone involved in World Mobile, you know, the team, obviously, the project itself and the community. Can anybody run an Earth node? Uh, uh, sorry, a... sorry, an air node. No, yeah, no, it's, it's easy to get confused. Uh, yes, Absolutely. If you've got the property uh, and you've got the investment to make into yourself, it's not an investment into World Mobile because you own that infrastructure. Absolutely. If you're putting up an, an air node where um, you're the only person using it and you're fixing your own problem, well, you're probably not going to generate so much yeah. revenue. If you're putting up an air node in a place that we've identified through a scan for points, which is uh, something in the global app, where again, we can discuss that later. Um, and then that gets overlaid onto the, the global map uh, and you choose one of those destinations, you're likely to be making revenue if you're the first or the first people to fill up a hex in certain areas where the, the demand is absolutely massive. Um, you're going to make more more revenue, more cash through through your through your air nodes. You can run one, you can run fifty, you can run a hundred, you can run a thousand. You know, we have no limitation. Uh, we have an algorithm that says, you know, in this hex we can fit one uh, licensed spectrum node and we can fit sixteen. Uh, arbitrary numbers I'm saying right now, but 16 uh, CBRS nodes. And when that's full, that's full. And until someone takes their node down, uh, you, you know, you can't get a slot in, in that particular hex or the, that particular space on the, on the map, but anybody can. And it's just really is as simple as buying it, making sure that you've got the authority to put it on your roof or on the side of the, the building, getting an installer to come in. Uh, if it's CBRS, a certified professional installer to come in and give you the, the tick and make sure it's all done properly. And that's it. And this this process should take two days, one day. Wow. Uh, and and what, where we're working right now is you'll be buying the anodes from World Mobile directly, but we're also working uh, on the supply chain to make sure that 
Uh, not only do we have the amount of air nodes that we think we're going to need to be able to cover the United States and the rest of the world, uh, but we've also got vendors who you'll be able to buy from directly off the shelf without even involving World Mobile. You wow. have the World Mobile software running and boom, you're, you're, you're doing it. You're your own telecom provider. Unbelievable. I mean, you know, I was already excited about World Mobile, but having speak, having been speaking to you for a little while now, I'm even more excited. There was a yeah, I? yeah, I believe all the, all the time, man. Every morning, every every morning, I wake up and I'm like, okay, right. How many people have we connected? How is the mission going? And it's 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 a very exciting mission. It's something that you know we we don't we're not here forever, um, but our legacy could be. And um, the nice thing about World Mobile is that. It's not just Mickey Watkins. It's not just our team. It's not. It's not just the World Mobile C-suite and the World Mobile staff. Everybody has their part to play in here, um, small or big. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. You know, I love that. I love. I love everything about this project. Uh, I mean, I really do. Um, I don't even like to call it a project. It's. It's. It, it's. It is a project, but it, it, it's a lot more than that. I think yeah, on, on many kind of levels. Agreed. Uh, so there was a recent, you know, we've covered that one recent announcement. There was a recent announcement in regards to a partnership between you and Conflux. Um, could you, could we maybe explore that, you know, what the announcement was and a, a little bit about what it means? Um, so, yes, definitely. Uh, Conflux is very interesting. Uh, they're also in the telecom space. They're also um, quite widely adopted in Nigeria where we have presence, uh, but they're huge in Asia. I think they're the only government-backed blockchain yep. Uh, that there is so naturally the telecom stuff is very important to us but also getting into every corner of the world is super important I, i've stood up at the united nations uh the itu uh, and said i'm going to connect a billion people before 2030 i don't know if anybody else has really had the balls to ever say that before or really believe that they can do that but i stood up and i've got, I've got kids and i've got family and I'm on, I'm on the internet today saying the same thing I believe that we that we can do it, but the only way to do it is to find the like-minded people who understand the ethos of um, this collaborative effort. So for us, Conflux were very like-minded people. Uh, they have a great community that have adopted and, and loved World Mobile since the thought of, um, and then the actual official collaboration. And it just made total sense. I, I think that their blockchain is pretty cool with the proof of stake and, and proof of work, but um, maybe I can segue into interoperability. Here yeah, absolutely. They, 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 they won't be the only blockchain that connects to Aya. Aya is our sidechain. Um, we built on Cardano. Uh, IOHK are actually partners. I'm a very good friend of Charles Hoskinson. Uh, they own equity in World Mobile. But when I first met Charles, uh, 2018 in Edinburgh, uh, and then 2019 uh, in Miami, you know, some of the conversations that we had there was uh, what's the future? What's the future of blockchain? You know, is it going to be silos? And he said, no, absolutely not. Interoperability is the key to the future of blockchain. And uh, having the ecosystems being able to talk to each other is what's so important. If you think about the internet, um, the internet would be pretty cool, but pretty useless if it was all done in silos, you know, lots of private different internets. And currently, that's how the, the the blockchain space works you know you've got maximus on one side saying this one's going to be the winner no this one's going to be the winner no i think these two are going to be the winner or um, i only believe in this because this technology cardano for me is the best simply it's the it's the technically the best uh it's it's the strongest it's battle tested uh it's proof of stake is is something to be an example to the rest of the other blockchains out there and um, its transaction model, which is very similar to, to blockchain, is something that's very close to my heart and makes sense. But in order to connect a billion people, 
you need to have the input and the effort of many, many, many people. And you need to have a movement. Now that movement has already happened in crypto and it happened, it started with the mother and the mother was blockchain. And then it came to become Ethereum, which was the next meaningful thing that happens. And then you have Cardano, which is for me, the improvement upon Ethereum. But in order for us to be able to actually make a sharing economy run and have the right people there, we need interoperability. So uh, interoperability for us is an absolute massive thing. And our first step was to, to work with Conflux. And there'll be actually many more chains uh, that, that we, t we think that we need to add. Uh, and the future will be probably all the chains working with Aya as a true multi-chain approach. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. I believe in a, uh, a kind of interoperable universe. I, I don't believe there's going to be one chain to rule them all. Um, I think Cardano itself is, is some people get it, some people don't. Uh, Ouroboros, you are... I 100% agree with you. It's something to be admired. It's actually something that many projects, I'm not going to name any, have taken from, whether they admit it publicly or not, in my opinion, when you look at the similarities. And the, the beautiful thing about Ouroboros and, and this concept of sidechains is actually Ouroboros was built, uh, to my understanding, of not just being able to consent one chain, but multiple. Uh, and this is the beautiful thing about it that I think people don't even appreciate or really realize at this at this very early stage. This is why Charles is such a visionary, right? Uh, it's a, it's a, not a light word to call someone a visionary. Um, I've got to know him very well over the last four four years, and he, he's actually a friend, a real a really good friend. But the key pillar to future of blockchain is is interoperability. He knows it. Everyone knows it. And I do eventually think that um, Cardano will get there. Charles isn't rushing, and and I think he's right not to do that. You know, if you look, where are the hacks, where where who's losing value on there? Um, the only people who are losing value is the people investing into Ponzi's or investing into uh, tokens, and that's their own fault. That's not the technology itself. So um, again, I, I if I'm a maxi of anything, you know, it's blockchain and and Cardano, it's Bitcoin and Car Cardano, right? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that I should only be working uh, and giving access to people to run an earth node on cardano uh, i should have somebody who likes ethereum or likes conflux being able to stake to a node that's running on cardano not because it's running on cardano and not to have that in their head but because they like what that node stands for so if an earth node wants to give out rewards to um guide dogs guide dogs for the blind or it wants to plant trees or it wants to and, and somebody they promote themselves uh, in the community and outside of the community someone wants to enter they should be able to stake with their native token on Conflux into the Cardano ecosystem and vice versa. Somebody who's running an Earth node on the Conflux ecosystem should be able to have somebody from Cardano appreciate them and say, well, I'm not really interested in holding the Conflux, but hold on, with one click, I can stake. I can I can secure this network. Um, I can I can delegate to, to, the, to this node. It, it's silly to think that the, the future is going to be at one chain um, and it's silly to think that we can actually change the world by having maximalism. Yeah, I don't think it works. I, I, I think that that, that that maximalists are really going to get sort of caught out. And I actually have a lot of conversations with Bitcoin maxis. Um, and I always say this, and I might be way off. I actually think that if there was any sort of third generation for, Bit, for Bitcoin maxis to like, it should be Cardano. They embody EUTXO. There's, they uphold the kind of ethos of what Satoshi originally tried to do um and, and did an amazing job of and of course you know it's good i've always thought of blockchain as a technology you know in the same way that an engine was given you had all these companies that tried to do different things with it or um you know the internet and people built on top of it i've always thought of blockchain as a a similar kind of 
uh, movement. What are your thoughts on that quickly before we move on to the kind of global app? The protocols, some of them are better than others. Some of them possess different um, different assets than, than others. Some of them more efficient than others, but ultimately it's a protocol and protocols need to be able to interconnect and, and work with each other in the best way. I think what has happened is price affects a lot of, a lot of people's minds. Uh, and then they go from holding something that was two cents all the way up to $3 um, or that was came out and they were early to, to buy it and then it goes up to $25 and they become very rich from it and they either leave the space or they 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 perpetuate something that really isn't true. But um, yeah, I agree with you. You know, protocols uh, have, they exist all day long. It's just we're so early into this that not many can see that. You know, we, we, we know lots of people that can see that. Um, our Earthno community is, is second to none. They, they see everything. Uh, and I think the more technically involved people are the more they understand i think the more people speculate and you need the speculators don't don't get me wrong but maybe they just don't quite understand yet but it's time right we're it's a tiny yeah. tiny amount uh how long has cardano been around for how long has ethereum been around for it's a spec how long has block as 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 blockchain been around for you know david chown he pretty much wrote the white paper for uh for bitcoin uh minus the proof of work protocol uh consensus excuse me um, you know, that was in the 80s. But even that, what kind of time is that? It's nothing on the, on the, on the scale of things. And I, I truly believe that blockchain is going to empower us as people to regain some kind of rights that, we, that we've lost. And it's going to enforce that uh, different agencies and entities eventually have to be transparent. Because we're, we're on Twitter. We're on Twitter. We're on all these different, different platforms. Again, we're giving up all of our human rights. And they might say, no, you're not. We don't do this. We don't do that. Prove to us that you don't do that. Show us that you don't do that. Show me when I'm making a telephone call that you're not billing me for, for seconds of ringing. Don't just send me a piece of paper or an email at the end of the month telling me that I've used 672 minutes. How do I know I've used 672 minutes? My phone doesn't store that. Nothing stores that. I'm relying on you as a source of trust and truth. You know, how do I know that when I use my data, you're not taking off of me 200 megabytes at the end of every month, or you're not you're not um, opening up an, app, an application when I open up your application for billing that sucks more data from me? I know that because I can sniff it. I can use Wireshark. I can use a whole load of tools to do it. Is that the majority of the planet? No, it's not. So I think the ethos behind it is, and the movement behind it is probably the most powerful thing. And the technology is second to that, but actually... You've got to look into the technology because that's what's going to, I don't say free us as people, that's a bit maybe extreme, but that's what's going to give us the confidence that we don't need to trust anymore because that's what we do. We trust. Yep. And blockchain basically sol sol solves. Makes it trustless. That we problem. Need we don't yep. need to. Transparency is key and it's even more. And the more we recognize it, the more we, we, we know that this is our right to, have to, to if we're paying for a service, if we're if we're buying something or we're signing up to something, what are you doing with my data? What are you doing with what are you, what are you doing with my paid service? What are you doing with my subscription? What are you what are you doing? You're going to tell me that it's we know humans lie, like we 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 know companies do things for money, right? Not wrong. They need to. That's normal. It's normal business. But just give us that source of truth. Give us that. Give us that trustless layer that we can say, okay, we you don't need to prove anything to us. We can see it, and that's yeah. what we're trying to achieve. And I think that that's what a lot of the the crypto space and blockchain space is also trying to achieve. Yeah, and it, it is very exciting in the future that I think anyone that's interested in blockchain right now has ahead of them. I think some people think, you know, we might be quite late or 
something like that to the party. I mean, my, my first introduction to, to Bitcoin was back in the Silk Road days, believe it or not. Um, I don't want to ask what you were doing there, but... Uh... It, 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 it was actually friends of mine at, at the time oh, yeah. that, that that put me onto it. Not 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 any involvement uh, in myself, but that that kind of led me down the whole uh, rabbit hole and then and then didn't get to the investing side of things until later on. I think crypto is still a very speculative game, um, to be honest, in regards to the price action. But we do transition from being... Spe- There'll always be an element of speculation to being completely speculation in, in many regards to... And I would argue that actually, I think if you look at um, the price, and I don't really like to talk about the price. Um, if you look at the price of many cryptos, it's pretty much pure speculation. In a lot of cases, there is a fundamental element, of course, but we there's move no real, away from that. There's no real world value coming into that. It's people who want to be part of a movement, who want to make a change, or people who want to make profit. Yeah. Um, nothing again. Nothing wrong with with both of those. Absolutely. Where is it coming from? Where is the Where is the money coming from? It's coming from a circle, a very small circle, right? Um, not many projects have yet managed to extract real value from the real world, from people that use things day on a daily basis and then bring that into crypto and actually make that useful. It's It hasn't happened yet. I mean, show me a case of, of, of where this has really happened. Um, it hasn't happened at scale. And that's things like World Mobile that offer, yep. and it's, it's not, this is not a shill, but it's there'll be more companies that come out and they bring real world um transactions and real world value and real world spend into the into the blockchain right into the into these different protocols and telecom has a way to do that like no other um yep. it's again it's a 3.5 trillion dollar industry without value-added services when i talk about value-added services i'm talking about insurance i'm talking about storage i'm talking about um streaming services right i'm talking about subscriptions all those things they're, they're right now they, they make up even more than the 3.5 trillion dollars of telecommunications so you bring, you add both together, you create a platform that can do this. And all of a sudden you're bringing in money from people who are not um, maxis, who are not crypto degens, who are not uh, this small circle. You know, we go through bear and bear and bull markets, right? Uh, you go through three years or four years of a bear and all of a sudden a bull, everyone's really excited. Your taxi driver's talking about it. Your mom's talking about it. Everyone's talking about it. And boom, it's flat again. Why is that? It's, it's not just because it's a trend. It's because it's, we're not, we're early. There's no yep. real, there's no real protocols extracting that value from the real world and bringing it into something that's actually useful. And I think that um, co- companies like ours, projects like ours, movements like ours, shared economies like ours, um, will eventually there won't be a bearable when you've got a hundred million people or ten million people or a billion people paying you every day for for data to use on your network and for all the value added services that are there. What does that mean? They don't care if there's a bearable market. They don't really care in telecoms if there's a recession. People want their data. People want to get online. People want to speak to their family and friends. People want to be able to transact. People want to be able to send uh, emails. People want to be able to be connected. And and they don't again. They don't look at the charts when when they're paying for their data when they're buying it. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's amazing. You know, this this is why I really wanted to get you on to talk about World Mobile when there's real a real use for something, a real niche, a real utility. Uh, I think that's actually something that's kind of rare uh, in in the space that we're in. Really, what I wanted to move on to uh, now is we spoke about the global app. Uh, I'd really like to talk about what the global app is and what's the kind of release plan for that. Okay, so the global app is and kind of all encompassing. Uh, mobile application that allows you to utilize the world mobile networks to the best of your ability. So you download the global application, 
immediately you create a DID. A DID is very important. It's again, we're very early in the space. Um, any other DID platform is also because there is no standard. There's the W3C standard, but it's not really meaningful uh, as it goes to date. But if you have a digital identity, you're able to then build up a profile, a profile that you can choose to share when you want to share it. You can choose to donate when you want to donate it, or you can choose, which I don't recommend by the way, um, but to sell it if you want to sell it. Um, this is really important. So every user of the global app has a digital identity. Every top-up that they make is completely secure and private to themselves. And they're able then to pass on that information to somebody else for something else. Uh, whether that's, hey, I want to take a loan because I'm an African. Um, I have money, but I only get paid at the first of the month. And every two months, I run out of data um, at the end of the month for three or four days. Can you give me a top-up loan? All of a sudden, a person can say, yeah, look, look at my profile. This is this is the data points that I've collected. I'm a good payer. I've been paying for the last six months. I only need a, to borrow a week, right, worth of, worth of data. So things like that. And then banking the unbanked. And we talk about banking the unbanked. So first of all, the first layer is allowing those people to be able to get online, right? So that's the communication. We, we, we do that. But then most of the unbanked are without identity. So they can't be banked. They, they can't take loans. They can't take insurance. They can't take many of these things. So as their data profile increases, we then will work um, with initially, it's our job to, to prove the concepts. We'll work with uh, different insurers and different loaners and different um, entities, financial entities that then allow them, those people to be able to access. And eventually the platform will grow on its own and people will say, okay, digital IDs work. And what mobile will have hundreds of millions of people with digital identities in the, in the emerging market. So that's really important to understand that every user with a global app has that. But then once you're in the application itself, you can do the basic stuff. You can top up your, your credit, you can share plans, you can download an eSIM, you can access a VPN, you can do all types of things like that. But then for the world mobile network, we have something called scan for points, which we, we hope and we believe could become a movement. So you press a button on the application, you drive around, you walk around, and you're now reporting data uh, of aerials and antennas that exist from other mobile network operators or indeed don't exist in the areas that you are. We then can make very educated um, information or intelligence based on this to say, ah, this place here is a, is a place that is um, really unconnected or really underserved. Let's run Operation Airnode in this area. Let's put this up. Let's incentivize people and put promotion to people laying down infrastructure there. And we actually pay for that data to, to, to the user itself. Um, and then there's, there's so much more that the global app will encompass in terms of streaming, uh, in terms of being able to log in with your digital identity into your websites that, that um, are World Mobile Associated. Uh, you're able to see the Airnode. If you're an Airnode owner, you're able to attach that to the mobile application and then see the, the revenue that's been run through the air node, the uptime that's been run through the air node, the speed that your air node is running at, get alerts if your air node is down, um, and the same for earth nodes and ether nodes. So it's very exciting. And part of mass adoption is giving someone a very easy way to be able to access the, the tools and the services. Uh, and we're very common. We Everyone has apps on their phones these days. So we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here in any way. What we're trying to do is actually make uh, a system where people can easily access, use blockchain, uh, use the world mobile chain and any partners uh, with value-added services in a very simplistic way. Yeah, so you could perhaps within that app, uh, maybe, I don't know if you're looking to incorporate um, sort of DeFi services like 
uh, DEXs, uh, loan services, stuff like that. I think in the West, we really take for granted just basic things like identity and being able to prove that. Um, you know, you guys are, are doing far more than, and, 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 and the, the kind of main goal is connecting everyone, but you're also adding on to that and adding value through things like providing a, a digital identity, these services that, 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 that perhaps, um, in some of the countries you're in aren't sort of, uh, Givens, uh, if that makes definitely, sense, definitely not. In look, in some of the countries, it won't be us that are uh, promoting or adding um, these DeFi protocols uh, or DApps into our application, but others can, right? Yeah. That's the beauty of it. So the app will eventually be be open for other people to be able to add what they want. Uh, we're a regulated entity, telecom. If we want to connect a billion people, we really can't break the rules. We can challenge the rules. We can explain why. But we can't break them. Otherwise, we won't be able to achieve what we, we want to achieve, which ultimately is connectivity. But um, we're very sure that over the years that come, uh, as people see this seamless way to connect to the world mobile network and to partner networks through the world mobile app, they will add these services. And we're also very sure that eventually, most countries in the world, there will be um, uh, a way forward for, for DeFi, a way forward for, for crypto, and a way forward for, for us to be able to as soon as it's ready and as soon as that regulation is there for us to include um, stable coins, as an example, yep. into payment methods, into countries that have major issues with um, deflation and inflation, right? Yep. Uh, Zimbabwe, for example, you know, everything's paid in US, US dollars over there pretty much. So it's a very, very um, important aspect. And, you know, we're, we're taking a phased approach. Uh, we'll, some countries will have all features available to them. Some countries like Pakistan will not. Uh, they'll have the features that we're allowed to support. But again, eventually, people will be able to take the open elements of the, the SDK, of the application, and then start offering their own services inside there. World Mobile is not here to become, um, for the next 30 or 40 years or 50 years, a global brand and for us to do it all. World Mobile is showing how it's done. We'll get the first billion users, and then those billion users and the creators and the, the entrepreneurs will then grow the ecosystem themselves. Um, again, I get more and more excited that the, the further on this conversation we go, what's the kind of release, what, what's the kind of release plan for this global app? Some people have it in their hands right now. Um, they say it's a beta, but it's not really a beta. Uh, and we're looking at August to, before the end of August to release it uh, globally. Uh, and in the USA, absolutely, you should be able to buy an eSIM, wow. stake WMT, use all of the features that I discussed, and then we'll iterations. You know, the VPN will come live, the Node dashboards will come live, the Earthnode dashboards will come live, and you'll be able to then transition easily from a web browser to the mobile application seamlessly to be able to access that when you're at home, so you don't stuck on this small this small screen, and you can use your keyboard and and your mouse and access all of those different features. Wow. Yeah, no, very excited for that. I'm going to be keeping, um, it, it can already get it in the UK, I imagine. Yeah. I've got one more question for you, Mickey, and that is in regards to Pakistan. Let's talk a little bit about Pakistan and what you're doing there um, before we wrap things up. Pa Pakistan, okay, huge population, very, very hungry for the consumption of the internet. Um, very much developed, even though it's still an emerging economy. It made a lot of sense for us to almost copy identically the world mobile model in Zanzibar and Tanzania and to be able to replicate it there. But of course, we're only a team of, of 100. Uh, we have never intended to go and roll out air nodes all around the world ourselves. We intended to make a sharing economy that was built and could 
grow on its own to eventually lead to explosive growth. So we had a partner uh, who came to us and said, we're very interested in running World Mobile in Pakistan. What do, what do we do? Um, we said, okay, well, what do you have? They said, well, we've got a backbone, a uh, fiber backbone, a big one, uh, spanning across uh, a huge, huge population serving around 10 million customers. Um, how do we get involved? I said, well, here's the software. That's how you can get involved. I said, what do you mean? I said, well, you need to go and find people that want to put up air nodes. You need to get them to install this software on the air node. You need to use our mobile application. Uh, we'll support you initially by plugging in any, any mobile money services that, that you want. So that's pretty much the only work that we've done. And they've got boots on the ground. They've got men on the ground. They've got women uh, going door to door. Uh, and it's growing out there. And again, it was a very scary moment for me. It was like, oh, okay. There is no world mobile truck. There is no world mobile team. There is no uh, manager or there is no a person who's responsible out there except from this partner. Is this going to work? But at one point, you need to you need to try, right? Um, I'm not saying it was an experiment because uh, we we succeeded and we, we've been successful in Zanzibar and showing the sharing economy. But it was definitely a moment of, okay, we're out of control here. Uh, but the last two months, three months, we've seen our partners go through their own learning curve. Uh, and now we're seeing nodes come up in, in Pakistan. Uh, and we expect potentially to see, you know, tens of thousands over the next year or, or two uh, where we didn't have to do anything at all. But it benefits the entire ecosystem of World Mobile, benefits the Earth nodes, uh, benefits uh, the, the Ether nodes, benefits everybody in that system. So if it can be done in Zanzibar with us, you know, holding hands with uh, and, 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 and training and teaching everybody how to do it, and then it can be done alone in Pakistan um, without us holding hands, without us really training people, without us having boots and, and cars, truck, truck rolling um, the, the deployments. It can be done anywhere. It's a, it's a very important place for us. And the success of Pakistan doesn't mean the success of World Mobile, but it does mean that explosive growth that I talk about um, will, will, will happen. Do you know, it's it's probably quite similar. I, I, I don't know if you read through uh, Satoshi's early interactions with the world um, when he was interacting with the world, but him kind of uh, launching other people validating the Bitcoin network. Um, and that must have been quite a sort of nerve wracking moment for him. And now look at the the hash rate, the the thousands of validators that you have. You know, I know they're drastically different potentially in what they're trying to do, but quite similar in, in this kind of, exponential growth that you could see in regards to people operating the system letting a pro protocol go distributing and decentralizing it and that's the that's what we're doing so mm -hmm. I, I like the analogy i think it's, it's pretty correct yeah absolutely amazing mickey it's been an absolute pleasure i'm going to leave links to world mobile yourself everything in between a lot of what we've spoke about in the description um it's been an absolute pleasure and i really thank you uh massively for coming on uh, and like i say and I've, I've been reiterating this throughout the interview you know, this has made me 10 times more excited and I was already pretty uh, bloody excited at the start. Um, so thank you very much, Mickey. It's been a real honor. Thank you very much. I'm going to get back to connecting the unconnected and making sure everything's running good, but I wish you a very good weekend and a pleasure to come on any time. And thank you very much for having me on. Thank you very much.